needs some motivation on your Chinese business endeavor, may be curious about what the Chinese business environment is all about, or want to laugh out loud listening to war stories on the ground in China. Then this is your show, China Business Cast. Hey, so today I'm sharing this amazing webinar that was organized by EU SME Center. This one is very interesting for me because it analyzed how can the companies participate in the exhibitions in China while being overseas. I was one of the experts on the panel, and I think it will really be useful for you to take your time and uh, understand、uh, how this is possible through the experiences of three people who have done it for many, many years. But also, it will be very useful for you to download some materials that USME Center always offers for free for European small medium enterprises, and further develop your business in China with support from non-biased and experienced people. I really admire all the initiatives that are organized by the EU, and、uh, that's why I'm sharing. And I hope that you find the value in it as I did too. So enjoy. So now I would like to introduce. We have three very distinguished speakers with us who will share、uh, also their, their their experience from different perspectives. The first one is、uh, Mr. Bart Horston, who is the managing director of Horston International. Bart is very is a very renowned expert on China. He has also been a frequent、uh, speaker at the、um, at many of the USME Center activities in the past. He has more than 20 years of experience doing business in China since it, he joined his father's company actually in 1998, and、uh, they do a lot of、uh, investment projects in China. They are also present on the ground, particularly in Xi'an. And Bart speaks very frequently to seminars, workshops.、Uh, he is also a certified service provider for the Flemish government, and also gives lectures at university very often. So it's、uh, my pleasure to have you here with us, Bart, today. Then the second speaker would be Miss、uh, Lina. I hope I'll get your surname right. Bartoszewiczny, who is also very renowned expert in Shanghai. She's been living in Shanghai from, for 12 years already, fully fluent in Chinese, and and actually she started her career as an interpreter for business negotiations. And soon after 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 that, she found out that the first barrier in in this business negotiation projects is、uh, language. And for this reason, he said、uh, she she established Litao Consulting, which is a boutique go-to-market firm providing one-stop market entry solutions for European clients. And I understand your key sector of focus is the food and beverage sector, but not not only. And just to give you that, they're growing very fast. And last year, they worked with a Lithuanian、uh, sauces and condiments company, and they developed ten products tailored to the Chinese market, which in more than one thousand shelves and five online retail channels. We also mentioned with Matthias before about company names, trademarks, and this is、uh, one of the key services. Maybe she will tell you more about that later. The last speaker, so thank you again, Lina, Lina, for being with us. The last speaker is Ms. Mr. Bruno Lopito, who a very senior expert, managing director of Civeco China, and、uh, Bruno has very long experience in the Chinese infrastructure and maintenance market with.、Um, Very nice track record of setting up, developing, and ma- managing high-tech companies, including R&D research and development operations. He writes a lot of articles on China. He lectures on industrial risk management at Shanghai University. 
And um, in 2004, in partnership with the French Civeco Group, uh, Bruno founded Civeco China, um, a very nice company which now has become China's largest maintenance consulting and a pioneer in the development of smart operations and maintenance solutions. Civeco is also very nice, um, very, very pleased to announce that Civeco is going to be one of the companies participating in our uh, European SME Pavilion at CIF. So we really look forward to hearing your, um, your experience program. So, so thanks to all the three speakers again. I would like to uh, start uh, with some with some practical questions for all of you. Maybe the first one will be to, to Bart. Uh, it was also mentioned in the previous session about online trade fairs, which have been becoming pretty pretty common in China after as a result of COVID. So, Bart, exhibitions are continuing as a normal year. What options do European companies have when they want to participate in Chinese trade fairs, given the restrictions that there are uh, still in place for travel? Yes, hi. Uh, uh, thank you for uh, involving me in uh, this session. So, regarding your question, companies, of course, that are in China, for them it's easy. They can send their China team to participate in exhibitions. And indeed, of course, there's also the opportunity of having online exhibitions or so-called hybrid exhibitions. But uh, assuming that you want to participate uh, in a physical exhibition where you uh, want to have your own booth, so in that case, I think indeed you there's probably then three options. Eh? One would be that you uh, work with your distributor. Eh? So this assuming that you already have a distributor who is representing your brand or your products in China, eh? it can be even more than one, eh? depending on uh, which sector you are, B2B, B2C, or also maybe you have different distributors for different geographical locations or even different market segments is also possible. So in that case, I think it's important that you train your distributor eh? because uh, uh, not only they need to have all the technical information, but I think it's evenly important or maybe even more important is also to keep an eye on uh, who uh, visited your booth and what to do with the follow-up. Eh? So I think we'll talk about that also later on. So that's extremely important. So to, to make sure that uh, the investment you do, eh, because, well, in the end, it's an investment eh, to participate in an exhibition. So you need to make the best of it by uh, training your uh, distributor and making sure that you can have an efficient follow-up. If you do not have a distributor yet, since suppose it's your first time to, to participate in an exhibition in China, definitely, like you mentioned in the introduction, you can have a USME Center to help you to send some people there on behalf of USME Center or some external third parties. I know that also, uh, I'm from Belgium, a lot of Belgian uh, economic agencies, uh, I mean government agencies, can also provide you with some help. So I I'm definitely recommend you to talk to this government agency or your chamber of commerce. I'm sure they also have some solutions. Uh, and well, I can also uh, give you a very briefly, uh, we also uh, as a company, as I'm, as you mentioned in the introduction, so we have our team in China. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to travel to China myself, so I'm living in Europe. But indeed, uh, we have been representing many of our customers or even uh, non-customers before because indeed they wanted to participate in exhibitions. So we had also this, like explaining before, the training plus the presence at the exhibition with two or three people and also then helping them with the follow-up. So in this way, uh, I definitely recommend you don't just put the China project on hold, but if there is an interesting exhibition, definitely there are solutions to participate. Very good. Thank you, Bart. And what do you think, Lina? You also have a lot of experience with trade fairs. What do you think? 
Yeah, my experience with trade fairs started in Shanghai Expo, where we used to have 35,000 people for six people in the pavilion that were Lithuanian, and we had 35,000 visitors for eight hours of work. So that's where my experience started. And thank you for a nice introduction. We currently represent more than 10 food and beverage brands in China, and we were very actively involved in exhibitions. So I think one thing that uh, probably could be mentioned is that uh, participating in an exhibition is a choice that has to be weighed down regarding to some key principles. So one is who is organizing the exhibition? Because we, with those 10 brands, have attended three exhibitions that were online and the, the local governments, local semi-governmental organizations, chambers and so, they were able to organize B2B meetings online between the European brands and the interested distributors. And so then the vital component was to introduce the brand in such a way that it would be clear that the Chinese consumers would be interested to buy it, that the product is suitable for China, and then that local governmental representatives would be interested to find a reliable partner who would be catering these brands to the Chinese consumers. So this was something that we explored very widely in the past year and a half. And then secondly, I think participating in an exhibition doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have a booth or a stand. So what we were doing is when the client would have an interesting industry exhibition, we would be sending our representative just to do a screening and see who is in that exhibition, who could be the potential partner, what are the subjects that are being discussed, what is the content in the conferences and the meetings and so. And that proved to be very valuable too, to gain market insights as well as contacts for the business development. I think um, that are the two key points that I think I, I could add on top of what Bart already shared. Right, right. Thank you, Lina. And we will have the chance um, today to, 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 to go more in more detail into some of the aspects you mentioned. So another question, a, a question for Bruno now. Bruno, maybe maybe you have, um, you represent a company, you have a perspective from the previous, from Bart and Lina. So from, from your perspective, what is your general experience with trade fairs in China, considering the nature of your business? Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, indeed, I'm a little bit different from the, the two other speakers. I'm no, I'm no expert in trade fairs. I'm, a, I'm an end user and a, a participant, in particular a participant in the coming uh, EU SME pavilion at the CIF. CIF. Again, I have a very specific uh, experience. My, my experience is in my, my, with my company, Civeco. We, we did, uh, when we started the business 2004, a long time ago, but we, we joined in the very beginning. We joined a, a few uh, uh, trade fairs, and 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 then we found uh, we we found that we with the booth, you know, we 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 found it doesn't work. It doesn't bring us any and anything. So we stopped for for many many years. After that, we didn't do any trade fairs, which in my industry is, is something common to do. I mean, all over the world, companies doing maintenance consulting and 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 maintenance related software. We we do trade fairs. But we found my conclusion was it doesn't work in China. In the past few years, though, we, we started to, to go back into a, a couple of, of fairs, usually picking very specialized trade fairs. For us, it's environmental industry related because it's, it's, our, main, it's our main market. We already well recognized, uh, and maybe that's one, one aspect, we already well, well known actually in, in environmental industry. We have lots of customers. We already have some some kind of traction in that industry, and 
then we found we are, we are able to better use a, a trade fair. By doing a lot of other things outside of the fair and doing a workshop, maybe doing presentations, maybe maybe, maybe we, we come back to that, how we, how, how we do it. Working like, like this, we still don't do a lot of trade fairs. We do a couple a year, two, two, two three maximum a, a year. And we don't, I cannot say we get, we get business, we don't get leads, we don't get business leads from trade fairs. We, we, we don't. Is it specific to our industry or is it something we could do better? But we, we don't. For us, a trade fair is a is a branding uh, is a branding tool. That's how we look at our our at our, us joining this uh, CCIF. I don't. I had a review with my marketing team uh, yesterday, two two days ago, and I very clearly we don't expect any any business lead from from this. We can come back to that. Why why is that? But we don't. But we expect to to work on our on our brand. And then we have a couple of specific actions uh, we, we plan to take at the, at, at the fair, before the fair, during the fair, after the fair. That, that, that's our view of, of trade fairs. Thank you, Bruno. Um, that's that's uh, very, very interesting because branding, of course, uh, it's, it's, uh, actually we heard this many times from many different companies. And um, I would also like to ask you, you have a very long history of being very open about your products, about your solutions, and which I think, um, you know, could, could have inspired maybe some potential competitors. And since we discussed about IPR in, in the session, can you, can you share something about this? What is your experience with it? It, it is true. My, it, it's a strategic marketing decision we made early on, I think back in, 2006, 2007, where we actually started to, to publish a, a lot of content. And, uh, we are very open with content. We are very proactive with content. For us, it's, it's a newsletter that is relayed on, on, on social media and a lot of articles. But basically, it's a, it's a newsletter where we publish case studies and uh, articles on, on what we do. So we've been very open. It's a choice we made. And it generally it works. It made us known, especially because of all the case studies. The, the downside and the risk, which which we looked at early on when we started, is that we could what well, people could look at what we write and maybe be be inspired. Maybe it's good, and maybe try to copy. And th- this has happened. It has happened quite quite a lot. I mean, we have maybe a dozen a dozen companies try to copy us or be inspired by us and think, well, you know, maybe, maybe Bruno got rich with doing this. Maybe we can also do, we can also get rich. And then uh, most of them disappeared. And we still have two, actually two copycats in the market. Companies that basically didn't copy our stuff, you know, didn't just take our, our software code or anything like this, but really got inspired, maybe pretended to be us or pretended to be our partner, used our slogans, our keywords, you know, and, and so on, you know. All this kind of stuff, and these two are still still alive, but they, they don't they don't be, they don't disturb us too much. They are not they don't take market shares from us or very very little. They are but they are they are disturbing. So in the context of a trade fair, and that's a discussion we still have every every time uh, with my team when we we, we join a, a fair or a, a conference. We do a lot of conferences. It's a little bit different, but we where we speak, where we present what we do. We continue to be very open. So it's a strategy, it's a marketing strategy we review regularly or once a year, let's say, and we, we debate it. So this year, we still continue to be very, very open. And in a trade fair, we, we will still be. So we, when we show, like we show demonstration of our products, we answer questions from the, from, from the visitors openly. 
is a risk we take. I mean, knowing that what, what we do is not easy to copy. I mean, you cannot just take it and, and copy it. Uh, it's mostly we would inspire people and maybe they can copy our, our marketing. Uh, they can copy our story. So, but we, we remain open and there's, there's this risk that people come and, and observe. And, and once in a while, we see these companies come coming up and they, they, use, they have a very similar ap- approach. And if they really copy us and, and under, if we can do something on, under the law, let's say, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do. Typically, you know, our lawyer will uh, threaten them. And then usually they, 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 would, they would stop. That's it. But I would say a lot of companies cannot, can maybe cannot do the same. It depends a lot on, on, your, on your company's business. But we, we, choose, we still choose to be, to be very open in how we communicate about what we, what we do. Thank you, Bruno. This is very insightful to, to hear. Uh, maybe going back to Lina now, uh, what, what do you think? You mentioned already a few interesting points, but can you maybe elaborate a bit more? What, what do you think are important factors to, to take into account when preparing the first or before? So, yeah, I totally support Bruno that uh, you don't need to be scared of people copying you. But uh, there is a story of my client where they arrived to Chinese exhibition and the uh, distributor came over and offered them to buy the rights to their own trademark because the distributor saw who will be attending the fair and they registered the trademark in advance and they had the trademark already belonging to the distributor and then they said it's better you work with me or you can buy the trademark so then regarding to what uh, Matthias has said and we also discussed it with him in depth there are two key aspects one is that uh, there is only one chance to file this trademark It is if you're first (laughs) and this is how China works. So this is something you cannot be dismissing and uh, that applies to any industry, any industry. And secondly, what we discussed with Matthias earlier as well is that uh, in China, your company will only be known by its Chinese name because just like Huawei, you wouldn't use Chinese characters to Google it when you're in Europe, just so the Chinese consumers wouldn't use your foreign name to do the research. And so the other thing that we do when preparing is uh, we create a Chinese name. And uh, maybe later you can share my company's website. You can download and see what is the process that is typical for Chinese name creation. It's not just uh, choosing a Chinese character that sounds like it, but there are a lot of semantic meanings, meaning that uh, there are a lot of ideas that you put into that uh, name that should represent the country, should represent the industry, and so on. And uh, the third very important thing that we do in China, when you meet somebody in an exhibition, you shake hands, you exchange WeChat, right? So by now you should have the WeChat already. And then the next thing you do is you send a business card on WeChat. And then the third thing you do, you send this PDF that's called company profile. And then overseas, nobody does that because people use websites. But then in China, they want everything to be prepared for them. So you need to feel like this was given to you person to person, face to face. And so that's why nobody will be interested to go and research your English website. But then if you have a company profile that uh, in 25 slides explains why this product is good for China market, whether this is at all compliant with Chinese standards, who are you, what are you bringing, what is the value, then people will be interested to meet you, to reply to you. And um, I think I shared earlier that we have researched more than 500 of such profiles and uh, tailor-made 
kind of way how to do it. And we have examples on my website. And also I have sent the whole structure of uh, technical methodology to Alessio, and he will be able to share this with the participants. Some of the steps that people really don't think about, but uh, then because everybody wants to sell to China, you need to prove that uh, you are determined to do what it takes when the sales start coming in. Because, you know, it's easy to say that I'm ready to sell, but uh, how many companies are really ready, especially when they are SMEs? So that is something that is very useful and immediately puts you at a very different competitive advantage. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Lina. So question for Barb now. We, we, we talk about what is important before the drug, but what about during the drug? How can you maximize your, your benefits from consumers? Yeah, so uh, all the points pointed out by Lina and, and Bruno are really, I think, to the point. Very important is indeed that uh, you decide which exhibition to go to, eh? because indeed, I mean, there's, even today uh, in COVID times, there are so many exhibitions uh, in, in different places in China, and it's never easy to really understand which has really a value or which hasn't. So, so that's, I think, very important is which uh, part, exhibition to go to. Who will be the audience coming to this exhibition? Will it be more? Uh, I mean, sometimes you even have these exhibitions or shows where where there's a lot of private people coming. So, do you want to be there? Probably not. So, but then I think a key issue, a problem, or misunderstanding about participating in a in a fair is don't think that people will come to you and talk to you in fluent English, eh? because even if you are in an exhibition in Shanghai, which is, of course, a place where there's a lot of foreign foreigners living and, of course, also more and more Chinese people speaking English. But I've had, uh, I mean, we've been in exhibitions, I don't know, the past 10 to 15 years on average, I don't know, 4 to 10. Uh, so let's say almost every month we are on an exhibition. And still today, I still have customers who think that you just go there and then you have one or two people. And then uh, nowadays, people all, everybody talks English. But uh, 90% of the time, they will be uh, just sitting there and saying nothing because nobody understands. So a lot of people don't really uh, talk English. So make sure that you have somebody there who can speak and understand English, not uh, Chinese, but not only just uh, be able to translate, but also uh, unique people who really understand your business or understand your products. Because, uh, I mean, unfortunately, my Chinese is very limited, but I'm sure Lina or others can uh, confirm that. It's not about just translating. Eh? You really, in Chinese, if you really want your persons, the people on the booth to to understand your business, they really need to prepare eh? because it's it's so important. Uh, Lina mentioned uh, about the PDF file, eh? so indeed you need to have in, uh, Chinese marketing materials or Chinese information also available. And well, often what we do is we recommend companies to set up a WeChat account, which is like a kind of a a mini website in Chinese, uh, you could say, uh, because there will be some basic information available in Chinese language. So indeed, people can uh, scan the QR code and immediately they will be able to sh find information about your company or your products in Chinese. And well, I think you need to keep an open mind because often building this 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 trust and, and being, being uh, really showing that indeed you have something to offer. Uh, because like uh, Lina mentioned, uh, that's, I mean, the competition is so fierce and you really need to find a way or a position how can i differentiate from my competitors what is unique about my product what is unique about my technology so this is i mean this not, doesn't go only for participation in trade fairs it's actually very general in china you need to know your market and because only then 
uh, you will be able to really find your way uh, or your position in the market. Thank you, Bart. And maybe social media sometimes are very, a very useful tool to, to also uh, increase the understanding of your product, to communicate your product. And by the way, we are going to do a very aggressive promotional platform for the companies during a CIS starting for next month. But maybe, Lina, I know you have a lot of experience with social media. Maybe you can share something on, on this area, a specific case or something to use that you found particularly useful. So we never focus on only one element. So social media cannot uh, cover all your needs. First, you need to understand what are you bringing to Chinese consumers, to the end user, you know, so then you can use all the other tools that are required. And same with uh, sales in China, we do B2B sales. And always at a certain, you know, period of time, we end up on e-commerce channels. But this is not the first goal. First, you need to understand how the Chinese consumers will react. And so our experience with social media was uh, twofold. One, we set up uh, the first uh, Lithuanian national WeChat account, and we used these uh, PDF documents, listing them like a digital catalog on the WeChat account where anybody visiting a pavilion would be able to download all the information about the company. And that served two purposes. One, Well, nobody leaves WeChat and goes to a website, so we needed to put the information somewhere. And secondly, because it is the national platform, this immediately is seen as endorsed by the government. And so this company is then becoming a reliable company to collaborate with and has a much higher success chance when starting to work with the distributors. Now, the second thing that we did is we did a WeChat training. We had 160 participants and we did the weekly sessions on WeChat. And so we taught them how to grow their audience, how to communicate on WeChat, how to build their own personal profile. So it's social media. You need to think not only for the company, but for you as an individual, because in China, people do business with people, right? So then if this person seems trustworthy, if this is the person who will reply quickly, is respectful, is giving you what you need, is replying in Chinese standards like 10 seconds, right? Yes. So then this will be an interesting partner. And so the person is really representing the company. And then one more thing that I wanted to add on to what Bruno was saying is that participating in an exhibition will never be for me or for our clients just going there and waiting for people to come. Actually, we start preparing two or three months in advance and start inviting companies that we believe would be interested. And so during CIAE in 2019, we got to invite nine governmental delegations from different regions in China to visit a a high-tech, like an IT booth. And actually, there were a lot of MOUs and developments coming out from that. But uh, it was not just coming and waiting for people to come. And this was done, you know, by majority part through WeChat, through social media. I think, uh, I mean, I can talk about it for two hours. So maybe if people have questions, they can just reach out. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Another question for Bruno and then a final question for all of you. Uh, So Bruno, you mentioned that uh, um, the reason you joined Trade First is mostly for branding. So what kind of, if you, if you were to select, to prioritize one, one, one type of visitors, which one, which one would you prioritize? Would it be like government kind of representatives or would it be business representatives who, what kind of state-owned enterprises, private enterprises, what would that be? 
Well, my my market, my main market is uh, government infrastructures. So so naturally, it's you know it creates a, a category of people I, I I want to meet. But if you go a bit a bit deeper, I say I, I don't expect to get leads, business leads from a fair due, due to experience, due to our type of business mostly. But we we try to map in the preparation work that that we do. As Lina said, you know, maybe three months, uh, three months before, and it's, we try to have a uh, holistic ap- approach. I think that was the word the word she used. Uh, uh, we try to map who, who, who we could meet at at the exhibition at the, at, at the show, and it's you know, it's for me, it's people from the industry, government, and other associations type of of people, and it's maybe media. Media journalists and so on. So these those those rough categories that that we try to reach in terms of our branding. And then the question comes: What do we do? As Nina said, how do we attract? How do we attract people? And there's some there's a direct proactive approach to to invite. But then who you know? How do you motivate people to come? And this this CIF is at the big exhibition center. You know, for me personally, I don't like to go there. Is far away, and I need to drive and be in the traffic jam. And it's well now; it's very hot. It will be in September. It will not be that hot. But if you go now, you know you'll be you'll be waiting in a queue, and that place is so huge. You walk for one hour. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go. So, how do you get people to go there? So you do. You need to have something special. You do. You organize a, a workshop. Do you you announce something? Do you have a big announcement to make? Do you have? Do you sign a, a partnership agreement? Do you sign a, a big client do you have is the is the organizer in the in your case in this the eu sme center eu sme center will have maybe on on the second day whatever we'll have one uh, one national ambassador will be there maybe the italian ambassador will be there and for whatever for a workshop and naturally he will bring with him you know if the italian ambassador is there you will have the, the heads of big italian companies coming and maybe their clients, and then you know it will. So how do we, as a SME, as just among uh, one SME among twenty in the in the bigger booth, how could we help you know, by discussing with with you guys, by discussing with the other companies? How do we come up with something and multiple things that will actually attract our audience? Again, be they uh, end end users or, or related government or influencers or media. So it's a it's a holistic you know 360 degree approach and I just gave one one example there but that's really what we what what we try to do when we join a, a fair and so you cannot just join it is going to be a failure you have to have a whole program before during after and that's a lot of it's a lot of work and it's a much bigger investment than the than the fair itself you know it's like an iceberg you know everything is like an iceberg absolutely of the iceberg and then you have all the or the hidden work. And that's a big work for a fair like this. I think it's otherwise it's not going to work. Absolutely. Thank you, Bruno, also for mentioning all these issues. These issues are actually all, all of them we are going to do as part of this European SME Pavilion at CIF. Uh, we're going to also organize media interviews and and, and the trainings. We're offering possibility for SMEs to organize trainings in our pavilions. Maybe we are a bit late. We have three minutes left, two two minutes now. Um, I will ask one final question to all of you, one minute each. Um, if you were to conclude like with some practical tips to, to SMEs to participate or to better prepare to trade first or how to follow up after trade first, what, what would that tips be? Maybe starting again, maybe starting with Bart. So let me say uh, a lot of has already been said, but 
what I want to stress, I only have one minute, so uh, I'll try to say it in one minute. I think with with COVID, I'm a positive guy. So and with COVID, of course, it's, it's a bad thing and really had bad implications. But I, I look at it from a positive side. And I have seen so many uh, European SMEs going to China, buying a ticket and signing a contract or participating in a fair without really knowing what's going on, without really knowing the market. So the positive thing now is that if you want to participate in a trade fair or you want to sign a contract with a, or you want to find a, a distributor and you cannot travel to China, so you have to do your homework first. There's no other way. You have to. So you try to find information from internet. You contact your SME center, your chamber of commerce. You, Of course, it's also good news for me as a consultant because we can do uh, market research. We can do store checks we can participate so in fact uh, for me for my business it's not a bad thing covid to be honest but in fact i'm 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 looking further than that indeed like i said i have the impression that those companies that are looking at china i think they they take more time to prepare so that's a good thing because in the pre, in the past of course a lot of projects fail in china simply because of bad preparation and bad follow up or la- lack of control so and i think I hope that after COVID is passed and we are back to normal, that companies will also stick to this new approach, saying that, okay, if you want to go to China, take it seriously and be well prepared. And it's it's even more important now today than it used to be in the past. Thank you, Bart. Lina? Uh, We calculated that with the governmental support, usually to come to the fair and to present the products would be something around 10 to 13,000 euros. So now during the COVID time, because if you calculate each salary, the visas, the transportation, the hotels, it comes up uh, to some incredible cost. So we think that it is much more worthwhile to invest this money indeed in the research instead of going there for the first time, because uh, most of the products that are sold in Europe, especially in food and beverage, are not compliant in China. So you will need to adapt a lot of labels, uh, recipes, And, uh, you know, a lot of things will need to be done. So it's maybe more worthy to invest this time and effort in developing a product that is suitable for China market before you go and try to prove your worth in an exhibition. And I think that works especially so for any tech-related products or any kind of, because the users will not see it the same way and everything will have to be adapted. And so are you ready to do it? I think um, Thank you, Lina. that was my key takeaway. But also in industrial, many lot of machinery has to come, have to comply with many standards with different. Bruno, to you. It's very interesting. I was going to say something along the same lines, and I'm going to say it, but I guess it means it's a general good, uh, good China advice. I would say. I mean, a lot of companies don't don't, don't succeed in the market. But generally, a lot of SMEs don't don't succeed in general business is difficult but i was going to say you need to invest time and, and money and with, with, with a long-term view and i think this applies to a, to joining a fair as, as well and we mentioned the three-month preparation period or, or whatever it is and so it's, it's and, and the cost lina just mentioned the high cost in any case high cost and if you if you're trying to have a 360 view and preparation and doing other things there event and inviting people there's going to be a lot of extra cost so invest time and money and with with a long-term view and i think the story about the, the initial presentation about uh, intellectual property uh, protection is is exactly the same you cannot just go and show your brand if your brand is not registered so that that means uh, cost 
investment before you actually come in and show your face. Uh, and I say, is that a good advice or is, is that is it like a like a warning? You know, that's going to scare a lot of a lot of new newcomers. Well, maybe 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 so. But I think that's a good China advice generally for joining a fair, for starting a business here, or or, or whatever. You know, it's it's going to take in investment and 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 time. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Bruno. Indeed, it is a it is an excellent advice. I will have many other questions to ask you, and I'm sure. There will be also some from the participants. We are a bit late, so we are not going to have a Q&A, but in case you have any, any questions, please um, contact us anytime, contact the speakers. We will be happy to put you in touch with them. We will also be sharing some files after these presentations uh, from, the, from the speakers and this, this webinar, the recording of this webinar is also going to be uploaded on our YouTube channel. And, um, Thank you to, to all the speakers. Thank you also to Matthias who, who, had, uh, who gave this very uh, uh, short, concise, but uh, very practical presentation about IPR issues. I would like to conclude by saying that, by, by inviting, um, by, by, by reminding that we have still a few, a couple of spots left for our European SME pavilion at the upcoming CIF. And indeed, we are cooperating with the local administration there, with local business stations to have to provide this kind of holistic, comprehensive um, program, all, all for very, very, uh, by the way, uh, low price. If you want to know more, just get in touch with us. Thank you to all the participants, to all the speakers, and, and we will be in touch again in the next weeks. Thank you. Have a great day or evening for who is in China. Doing business in China is a complex world. You can quickly feel alone and lost in its maze. But don't worry, China Business Cast is here for you. Sign up for our newsletter and regular updates on our website at www.chinabusinesscast.com. Thanks for tuning in.